talent isn't just about performance, that considering an individual's motivation and engagement is also a critical aspect of whether they should be considered talent. Welcome to episode 58 of The Future of Work, uh, the podcast that looks at every aspect of work in the future, brought to you by Wonder and Pattern. This is the third part of our conversation with Nikki Garcia, the co-founder and uh, chief customer officer at Capfinity. She's an industrial psychologist, very much uh, the same as my co-presenter here, Claire Haydar. Um, Claire, what was this third section about? This specific conversation that we had with Nikki, um, we just asked her a broad, wide open question um, about the book that she's actually participated in co-authoring with a number of researchers. And um, it's actually an Oxford manual um, around um, putting strengths to work in the workplace. It's a really practical book. It's the type of thing that any chief people officer um, should kind of have on their bookshelf. Um, it's very practical. It's, it is research orientated. It is academic, but very practical at the same time. Um, I've been able to, you know, flip to very specific chapters and just get some really, really good information out of it. What I really liked about this section and this conversation with us, Doug, was how practical she got. You know, she actually shared with us a step-by-step process that a C-suite team can go through to actually apply these principles to various areas of their company. Yes, and she's also um, promised to supply us with a lot of free goodies that anyone can use to, to, to start that process along. So let's, um, let's not chat too much together. Let's listen to this last part of Nikki's conversation. This is just going to be a wide open question to you. I got nerdishly excited when I was preparing for this podcast and I came across the book that you've um, actually worked on with a number of researchers around healthy organizations. And I ended up actually getting the book. That is very nerdy. <laughs> exactly. It is very, because it's an academic book. I did. I haven't read it from cover to cover, but I immediately went to some of the chapters that just like really piqued my interest and I've, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Do you mind sharing with us what the book is about and why you're part of that group of researchers who worked on it? And if you can share with us, you know, how you're seeing the principles in that book actually being applied today. Well, thanks, Claire, and thank you so much for wading through um, the Oxford Handbook of Positive Psychology and Work. Um, <laughs> that the handbook essentially was Oxford gave op- an opportunity to my co-founder Alex Lindley and a non-exec director Sue Harrington to really bring together a collection of chapters written by individual authors and researchers who across the field of positive psychology, were able to offer contributions to really how can we embed positive psychology in the workplace. And one of the things at the time when we wrote the book was, and it's a a chapter that I contributed to, I didn't just edit, was how can we build a strengths-based organisation? And that question I find I'm probably asked weekly. Last week I presented just on that topic And it's something that I think at these times, people are probably incredibly interested in for a number of reasons. 
And I'm very happy to delve into some of the principles of, of what makes a strengths-based organization, but that's that's where my head is in relation to that book. So one of the things with building a strengths-based organization, and it speaks to my response around abundant organizations, is I don't think strengths is the only part to, to a strengths-based organization. So you do need to look at things like diversity, equity, and inclusion. You can't build a strengths-based organization if it's riddled with bias. So you absolutely need to take a systemic approach to, to looking at that from an organizational level. But then there is, I guess, some underlying principles that uh, we encourage organizations to consider. And the first relates to how you might believe how talent shows up in your business. And I think this is really applicable at these times when people are trying to diversify talent pipelines. They're not necessarily getting the number of candidates in that they might want. And that is to consider that talent isn't just about performance, that considering an individual's motivation and engagement is also a critical aspect of whether they should be considered talent. So at Capfinity, we've really supported, and it's referenced in the book, supported organizations to think of, rather than thinking of a war of talent, think that we could be actually in really fertile grounds of talent. And if you take your own organization right now, is it the case that actually you have people who are highly talented, but they're not currently aligned to roles that are delivering on that talent. So if you've got a skills shortage in digital tech, are you 100% sure from a strengths perspective that there aren't people in your organization who would have the potential to move into that area? But if you only ever look at the lens of have you done it before, rather than have you got the will, the motivation, the desire to learn to, to, to apply strengths, then actually you may have a very, very narrow view of what constitutes talent. And that is also true on the candidate, um, the candidate side. So if you're recruiting, and I think of lorry drivers at the moment when there's such a, such a shortage of them with all the supply chain issues happening globally, we've helped organizations to say, well, aside from driving, what are the strengths of lorry drivers? And how can we go to wider, broader, more diverse places looking for that motivation, will, that desire, rather than purely have you driven a lorry in the past? And can we train the the bits that you're missing? So under every strengths-based organization, there is this view that actually talent could be broader, both from a candidate and a lateral perspective, when we we think about strengths. Do you want me to share a bit more? But you also look like you've got a question, Claire. Yeah, I do. I do. So this is... I'm very deliberately putting on the jaded CEO, almost CFO hat here, okay? Because I think this is an important part to weave into this conversation. So positive CEO who's a champion of people and believes in humanity is very excited about what you're saying right now. I'm thinking of all the CFOs in our current customer orgs going, that's a great pipe dream. But that's a very expensive exercise that you're talking about right now. How do we balance those two things? Yeah, and and this is something for probably my whole career I've been balancing. And for an organization where this feels alien, I would always say kind of where's your burning platform? Where are you currently hemorrhaging the retention of talent or perhaps you're really struggling to bring talent in? 
And if we take an example, I've worked for a lot of my career, say, with call centers. One of the problems historically often in a call center environment is um, sometimes the talent pipeline's not there. If it is there, do we know that they're genuinely going to want to work in that environment and have those conversations? And if we don't get that right, we might get recruits, but most people or a large percentage of people, sometimes up to 50%, go within the first six months. So what we will often do with an organization is say, let's just pilot in that area using a strengths-based approach to recruitment and let's see what happens. And invariably what will happen is the pipeline will be broader. So they may save money on agency fees, various different parts of investment. And when I say broader, often demographically broader, more diversity. So there's also an additional target and I guess enrichment that they'll be hitting. We can also track and have tracked that time to competence will increase. So in one of the call centers we worked in, it went from four weeks of training down to two because people absolutely understood what they needed to do. We trained managers in how to acknowledge strengths when um, when candidates came in and the engagement of the candidates increased. But most importantly, we reduced the retention within those call centers. And so the, the big thing when you're using this approach, say in the recruitment side, is to pilot and see which metrics you can impact We've replicated this outside of, you know, insurance companies within police forces or within that that call center environment. And then in the lateral space where you might already have employees, one of the things that is happening, particularly at the moment, um, but but has obviously been happening for years, is is the realignment of talent. So if you take a pharmaceutical company we, we worked with, they wanted to completely realign their sales force, but they didn't know who to put in the roles that they had a view of the new culture, they had a view of the types of jobs um, that they wanted people to do. And so we helped them assess their current employees from a, from a strengths perspective. People that they were not expecting to go into roles went into roles, but fundamentally their, their sales improved by adopting a new approach, but with a completely existing uh, pool of talent that they already had. So you need to do a test and learn and you need to go for where you can you can find the metrics. So Nikki, get really practical with me. Yeah. HR manager, chief people officer, CEO is busy listening to this podcast right now. And what you've just shared sparks a whole bunch of interest in them. What is the actual process that you follow to do this? There could be several routes, but at the simplest level, If you had a job description today for one of your call center jobs, and I'll make some of these resources available post the podcast, but map strengths to that job description, that will give you a language of how to measure that role. You may already have a competency framework that that you're using. You can map strengths to that competency framework. Use those strengths then to underpin what you want to assess. We have many clients who will um, build out a strengths-based assessment. At the simplest level, they'll build out a strengths-based interview. And a strengths-based interview won't just capture asking if it was Doug we were interviewing, tell me, Doug, about a past example of when you were dealing with a difficult customer. 
it'll ask more direct questions than that. It'll ask Doug, how do you feel when someone's arguing with you over the telephone? So we're flipping the question from just getting Doug to, to reel off all his examples off his CV or resume. And we're really going at the motivation and the will and the desire as well as the past experience. And that combination of recognizing the motivation to demonstrate that behavior, that is when we're able to find people who maybe haven't ever worked in a call center, but they can handle a difficult person on the phone. They know how to empathize with somebody who's experienced a, a difficult situation. I'll always remember, and this will show my, my age, somebody who was organizing all of their music from A to Z, but it was a perfect example for, for order for the job we were, we were recruiting for. So really approaching this from a different angle, from an interviewing perspective could be the smallest thing you could do today to, to change your approach. Um, you will need to get manager buy-in. I have to say most managers say, these are the questions I always wanted to ask, but never thought I could. Fascinating. And Nikki, thank you in advance for making that survey available to our audience. Um, it's, it's a huge gift. You're very welcome. I'm going to make our strengths dictionary available, and I'm also going to make our strengths profile tool available so anyone listening can find out what their strengths are and know how to put them to work. Incredible. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Nikki. It's so nice to, to have met you and to have spent an hour with you. Thank you, Doug. And that is the end of episode 58 and our deep dive into positive psychology with Nikki Garcia. To access the free tools Nikki discussed, then keep an eye on Wonder's social media platforms for more details. If you found this podcast of value, then please, of course, share it with friends and colleagues and catch us on Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts or on Wonder's own website. That's WNDYR.com. And so from Claire and myself, bye for now.